ಪ್ರಹಿಣೋತಿ ತಸ್ಮೈ ತಂ ಹೇವಮಾತ್ಮಬುಿ ಪ್ರಕಾಶ ಮುಕ್ಷುರ್ವೈ ಶರಣಮಹಂ ಪ್ರಪದ್ಯೇಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಥಾಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ್ರಥಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣೀ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿ ಅಂಬಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಧ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತೈನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಿ ಯಸ್ಯಾಂತನ್ನುಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ let us chant on the the first verse of this chapter shri bhagavan uvacha idantute gohyatamam pravakshyamyana suyave ಜ್ಞಾನಮೋಕ್ಷಸೇಷುಭಾಜವಿದ್ಯಾಜಗುಹ್ಯಂತ್ರಮಿದಮುತ್ತಮ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷಾವಗಮಂ ಧರ್ಮ್ಯಂ ಸುಖಂಕರ್ತುಮ್ಯಂಧರ್ಮಸ್ಯಾಪರಂತಪ್ರಾಪ್ಯಮರ್ತಂತೆ ಜಗದ್ವ್ಯಕ್ತಮೂರ್ತಿ ಮತ್ಸ್ಥಾಭೂತ ನಾಹಂತೆಸ್ವಸ್ಥಿ ಮಯಾತಮಿದ್ರ Jagad Avyakta Murtina in the fourth verse Lord Krishna said he proposed made a proposition made the pratigna jnanam vijnana sahitam yajnatva moksha se ashubhat 
योजना प्रवक्षामी प्रकर्षेण वक्षामी आई विल टेल यू इन ऑल द डिटेल प्रकर्षेण वक्षामी आई टेल यू इन ऑल द डिटेल अंटिल यू कम टू नो दिस ज्ञानम विज्ञान सहितम आई गिव द ज्ञानम द नेचर ऑफ द ट्रूथ नेचर ऑफ रियलिटी विज्ञान सहितम अलोंग द मींस ऑफ गेनिंग दैट नॉलेज ज्ञानम आई विल टेल यू व्हाट इज द नेचर ऑफ गॉड व्हाट्स द नेचर ऑफ रियलिटी विज्ञानम आई विल आल्सो टेल यू व्हाट हाउ दिस गॉड द रियलिटी मैनिफेस्ट एंड आई विल आल्सो टेल यू हाउ टू कम टू नो हिम हाउ टू सीक हिम आई मीन हाउ टू अटेन हिम यज्ञात्वा मोक्षसे अशुभात गेनिंग व्हिच नॉलेज यू विल लिबरेटेड अशुभात from all things that are inauspicious you will be liberated in this life from inauspiciousness we discussed yesterday what is inauspicious in our life death is inauspicious ignorance is inauspicious unhappiness is inauspicious these are, these are the things that we do not like we do not want we cannot accept about ourselves i cannot accept death about myself i cannot accept ignorance about myself I cannot accept unhappiness about myself, so this is inauspiciousness. Here, you know, you become free once and for all from all these complexes about yourself. So all of these complexes about myself create in me a constant sense of self-rejection, self-non-acceptance. I don't accept myself. I reject myself. I condemn myself because I find myself mortal. I find myself ignorant. I find myself self-helpless. i find myself helpless i don't like that helplessness i find myself dependent i don't like that i find myself mortal i don't like that so this inauspiciousness this is called inauspiciousness which makes me unhappy with my own self which makes me condemn myself arjuna you become once and for all from this sense of self non acceptance self condemnation so this is called freedom freedom from self non acceptance freedom from self condemnation freedom from self dissatisfaction as we said on the very first day this is a constant conflict that is going on within my own self a conflict with myself by myself i am all the time in conflict with myself the self that i find to be inadequate or unacceptable here juna you become free from that conflict you will find that your self is acceptable in fact you are what you want to be what you are seeking to be so this is a knowledge this morning we discussed how this knowledge gamayati how it takes me somewhere it takes me to my very self right now i am not with myself right now i am only dwelling or abiding in all kinds of notions about myself here juna you become once and for all free from all these notions <coughs> thus and therefore have trust in this knowledge asraddha dhanaha purushaha those who do not have shraddha those who do not have this faith those who cannot accept that there is a reality in this life those who cannot accept that the reality of the truth can be known so aprapya maam nivartante mrutti samsaravatmani Arjuna the life goes to a waste they do not reach me nor they even reach the very means of attaining me mrutya samsara vartmani they remain ever in this life of birth and death repeated birth and death 
With this background then for the fourth verse Lord Krishna started unfolding the nature of truth, nature of God, nature of reality. Maya tatabhidam sarvam. Where am I? If asked this question, Lord, where are you? The answer is, where am I not? Maya tatamidam sarvam jagat avyakta murtina. Maya avyakta murtina. See, vyakta, vyakta means manifest. That which can be perceived by sense organs is called vyakta. This I can see, I can hear, I can taste, I can touch, I can smell. So all these objects, such as sound, and the form, and the color, all of these are called vyakta. This universe is called vyakta. So whatever is object of my experience can be called vyakta or manifest. So Lord Krishna says, Idam, this whole manifest creation is pervaded by me who remains unmanifest. So by my unmanifest nature, the whole manifest universe is pervaded. <clears throat> I am everywhere in the whole manifest universe. As we discussed yesterday, just as the cotton is everywhere, wherever the cloth is, there the cotton is. Wherever the ornament is, there the gold is. Wherever the wave is, there the water is. As I said yesterday, the cotton can be called the, is called the material cause of the cloth. Gold is called the material cause of the ornament. Water is called the material cause of the wave. And this is a general rule that the material cause pervades the effect. So Lord Krishna says, I pervade the entire creation. Which means that Lord declares himself to be what we call the material cause of the entire creation. What is material cause? The very material, the very substance from which a certain thing is made. When we say that the clay is the material cause of the pot, clay is the very substance from which the pot is made. So Lord Krishna says, I am the material cause of this universe. That means I am the very material from which the whole universe is made. Isn't that amazing? We think that the universe is inert, jaram. We think that the self is conscious and everything else is inert. Lord Krishna says, no, there is no such thing as inert at all. All there is is nothing but myself. Lord Krishna says, I am never intelligence. And this whole universe is made up of intelligence. It is that very intelligence. It is that very reality which manifests as this apparently inert universe of names and forms. But where is God? If he is everywhere, how come I don't see him? Yesterday we discussed how God is everywhere. In what manner? We said yesterday. How any object such as this, what we call the glass case, how this object has five aspects about it. Asti bhati priyam rupam nama panchakam. There are five aspects about this. Asti, this object is. Bhati, the object shines. Priyam, the object is useful. The object is an attractiveness. The object is a source of happiness. Nama, it has a name. Rubam, it has a form. And this is true of any object. Take even this clock. It is asti. It shines. Bhati. It is useful. Serves a certain purpose in the scheme of things. Therefore, Priyam. It is, it is a source of happiness. It, is of the name, it has some attractiveness. Nama, it is a name called the clock and Rupa, it is a form corresponding to that name. Thus, this is how take any object, sentient or insentient, good, bad or indifferent, take anything in the universe. 
these five aspects are always there. Every object has a name, every object has a form, every object is, it shines and it is dear to somebody under some conditions. Thus every name and form becomes the vehicle for the manifestation of asti, bhati, priyam, sat, chit, ananda, existence, intelligence, happiness. <coughs> so as existence, here Arjuna, I pervade everything. As intelligence, I pervade everything. As attractiveness, I pervade everything. Just as clay, the material cause pervades all the parts, so also is the very existence, the Lord pervades everything. Just as take away the clay from the pot and there is no such thing as pot, no such thing remains as pot. Take away the gold from the ornament, no such thing as ornament remains. That is called material cause which we can take away from the effect that the effect doesn't remain because what we call ornament is nothing but gold. What we call wave is nothing but water. What we call cloth is nothing but cotton. Without the material cause, there is no effect. Similarly, take away from an object existence, what remains? Nothing. Take away the intelligence, what remains? Nothing. Take away the usefulness, attractiveness, what remains? Nothing whatever. And therefore, asti bhati priyam is the very material cause of this name and form or any name and form. And therefore, what is it that distinguishes this object from some other object? The name and form. Asti, bhati, priyam. Existence, intelligence, attractiveness is common to these two objects or to any objects. And what distinguishes one object from the other is nama, rupa, name and form. So then, the name and form becomes what we call the medium, the vehicle for the manifestation of asti, bhati, priyam. Just as a filament becomes a vehicle or the medium or the upadhi it is called in Vedanta for the manifestation of electricity. Now there are many bulbs, each bulb having its own filament and that's the reason why the light in some bulb is bright, in some other bulb it may be dull. So brightness, dullness, some bulb may be red, some other may be yellow, some may be even blue. And there's a light maybe of different colors, of different intensity, but all the difference in lights being there, still the electricity that is passing through all the bulbs is one alone. And there's no difference in electricity that passes through the bulb, there is difference in manifestation only because the name and form which is called the bulb is different. And so also, at one level, you and I are different. That your name and form is different from this name and form. That upadhi is different from this upadhi. There is no doubt about that. But in spite of the differences being there, there is a non-difference and that is, you are the same existence, intelligence, attractiveness and I am the same intelligence, existence, attractiveness. And this table also is the same intelligence, existence, attractiveness. Avyakta <coughs> murtina. But can we see that existence? Is it possible to perceive the existence? Is it possible to perceive the intelligence? Is it possible to perceive that love? Is it possible to perceive in that happiness? Answer is no. What we perceive is Nama and Rupa, the name and form, just the outer costume. 
like an actor wearing the costume of a beggar, what do you perceive is beggar? It is not that actor we do not perceive but the beggar is what we perceive. Of course, the beggar is there because of the actor, but we have to recognize that actor. To recognize the actor, what is necessary is that we have to discriminate in our own mind between the actor and the beggar and we negate that beggar in our own mind and then we recognize the actor there. What we see on the stage is a beggar and something takes place in my own mind like in the annual function like there was yesterday this function while we had children you know. So, children are performing various acts there is a Narada in there and there is a Lord Narayana in there and there is a Lakshmi in there. I say hey where did sage Narada come from? Oh he came from what the heavens or what? Then somebody enlightened me, Swamiji, it is not Narada, this is so and so's daughter. Oh, really? He looked, Narayana is here. He says, No, he is not Narayana, he is such and such person's son. So, how did you know that? Don't you recognize Swamiji? Don't you see the eyes of that boy? Don't you see that nose? So, there are some features, some Lakshana of the features that cannot be concealed, even though the boy may be completely concealed with all his you know the Narayana he is put on the garb of Narayana but when I recognize that boy as my son or as my friend's son what happens in my mind in my mind happens what we call Viveka or discrimination then I realize that in spite of the costume of Narayana in fact that is this boy so I subtract or I negate that costume in my mind and appreciate that boy is the reality of that that role <clears throat> and this is what we have to do in our life. What is important? Is costume important or the one wearing the costume important? In an ornament is that form important? It may be called a bangle, it may be called earring, it may be called a chain, it can be called a necklace, various names and forms are there. What is important in all these ornaments? Are the names and forms important or is the gold important? When name and form becomes important, gold as well loses its importance. When the gold becomes important, the name and form loses its importance. That is what Lord Krishna is telling us in our life. Hey, names and forms are there, the variety is there, but that is not important. That is the costume. What is important is the one that is manifesting through the costume, that existence, intelligence, fullness, existence, intelligence harmony or love. <clears throat> so, this is a wonderful message that Vedanta gives us in our life, in our day to day life. And what is the message? What we see, Swamiji, where is this harmony and where is love? All that we see around, could somebody remove this, uh, this uh, you know, the Agarbatti from here, that is uh, incense. Here Bhagavad Gita says that that Lord pervades everywhere, that harmony pervades everywhere, that love pervades everywhere. Where is harmony and where is love in our life? What we see everywhere is all diversity, disparity, injustice, conflict. This is what we see. Cruelty, exploitation, injustice. This is what we see. And 
on the face of what we see here is bhagavad gita declaring that in the womb of everything in the as an essence of everything there is harmony and love is it believable shraddha this is this calls for shraddha then only we can discover it if i dismiss the statement because it doesn't make sense to me because my mind says that no there is no love and harmony anywhere there is no justice there is only injustice everywhere and disharmony everywhere then of course i will not even give it a consideration to this but if i have shraddha in this verse then I look closely is there harmony there is a disharmony no doubt there appears to be injustice there is disparity there is cruelty it is all there but is that the reality of life in ishavasya upanishad which we are discussing in the morning in the commentary of the upanishad bhagwan shankara shankaracharya the bhashyakara is a very beautiful example example of sandalwood we all know that sandalwood is fragrant by nature but even this sandalwood if it is kept in water for a length of time some of you might know this that even the sandalwood also starts stinking keep the sandalwood in water for a length of time the outer surface starts rotting and starts stinking so here we have a piece of sandalwood which is stinking is that the, that stink is that the true nature of the sandalwood the answer is no rub that sandalwood against a stone the outer surface gets removed and the fragrance which is the nature of the sandalwood becomes manifest similarly also the injustice we find disharmony we find disparity we find cruelty we find all sorts of things we find like the stink we find in our eye in our own self we find that but is that really the reality of the life the answer is no in spite of what appears to be cruelty disharmony disparity just as in the womb of that stink in the fresh sandalwood in the womb of that stink lies a fragrance and so also in the womb of the apparent disparity and disharmony lies that harmony lies that love lies that oneness lies that unity this is a matter of great hope there is no need to lose hope in our life swami will there ever will it ever happen that there is uh, that things will improve they have to improve for the very simple reason that oneness is a reality and the reality will assert itself in some ways the peace is the reality the harmony is the reality and this is a theme that is revealed in the bhagavad gita and vedanta in the scriptures all through samam sarveshu bhuteshu tishthantam parameshwaram vinashyat svinashyantam yah pashyadi sapashyadi the 13 chapter lord krishna says samam sarveshu bhuteshu tishthantam sarveshu bhuteshu samam tishthantam in all this being in all the names and forms which are all different from one another 
where everywhere we find the unevenness and disparity. In that Vishamata, in that disparity, Samam Sarvesha Bhuteshu Tishthandam, in all the disparity, there is that oneness, there is that evenness in there, Samatvam is there. In all the apparent disparity, there is equality. Vinashyatsu, Avinashyantam, all that is perishable, that is the imperishable. The perishable is outer costume, and what lies in the womb of the perishable is the imperishable. The disparity is outer costume, and what lies in the disparity is that sameness. The diversity is the outer, outer appearance, what lies in diversity is the unity. There cannot be a more beautiful message than this. That in the apparent injustice, there is justice. In the apparent disharmony, there is harmony. In the apparent even cruelty, there is love. What we find as cruelty outwardly, what we find conflict outwardly, is nothing but the distorted expression of love. Because of ignorance, and as we'll see, because of ignorance and because of the distortions created by the ignorance in our mind, our love, which is the true nature of ourselves, gets distorted. So what we find is anger and lust and greed and cruelty is nothing but the distorted expression of that love alone. Lord Krishna says that love is the truth of the whole universe. Harmony is the truth of the whole universe and that pervades everywhere. All we have to do is to look for it. Just as a gold pervades every ornament, water pervades every wave, and so also this love, harmony, oneness, reality pervades every name and form. Maya tatamidam sarvam jagat avyaktamurtina. Understand that love is not something that we can perceive with our eyes, our sense organs. Harmony is not something that you can perceive. That oneness is not to be seen with the eyes. When they say that the wise man knows the oneness, the unity in the diversity, it is not that the diversity all melts and lump into one unity, lump that is called unity. Then no physical changes happen. Diversity is something that you perceive the sense organs. Unity is something that I know in my mind. The, the manyness is what I see. The oneness is what I know. That is why Lord Krishna says, Abhyakta Murtina, by my nature which is unmanifest, which cannot be objectified. That oneness or harmony or love cannot be objectified. Why? The rasti, bhati, priyam, that existence, intelligence, harmony. Where is that? Is it out there? In fact, when I look at my own self, who am I? So far we are discussing about the nature of this object, object that is called name and form. And we saw that the essence of the name and form is nothing but the existence, intelligence or harmony. If I ask about myself, who am I? What is the true nature of my own self? What is the abiding reality about myself? 
what is it about myself that cannot be negated? Then I have to say this, that I am. That is one thing that you cannot question about me. I am. Who I am, where I am, how I am, what I am, that may be a question. But that I am can never be negated. Whether I am good, bad or indifferent, right or wrong, whatever I am, I am. That I, I am conscious, that also cannot be negated about me. And that I always love myself, that also cannot be negated about me. Ahamasmi sadabhami kadachit nahamapriyaha. The rasti bhadi priyam that we are talking about, <coughs> the existence, the intelligence, harmony that we are talking about, where is that or who is it? It is nothing but my own self. The existence, I am. The awareness, I shine. The love or harmony, because I love myself. I never dislike myself. I never dis, dis I never, you know, I, al I always, I am always the object of love of myself. And therefore, avyakta murtina, that is nothing but my own self. That's the reason why is not something to be seen. The God is not to be known as something outside of myself. The rasti bhadi priyam is not to be satchidananda, is not to be known as something outside of myself. It is to be known as my very self. That is what Lord Krishna said, avyakta murtina. By my form there is unmanifested. Because the self cannot be seen by the eyes, by the ears, this morning we are giving an example that I may have I have a telescope with me with which I see the objects that are far away. The telescope sees the objects that are far away. How does the telescope see? It sees because of the eyes which are behind the telescope. It is eyes because of which the telescope sees. Please tell me, is it possible to see the eyes with the help of telescope? Can I see my eyes with a telescope? I cannot. For the simple reason that eyes are behind the telescope. It is because of eyes that the telescope is able to see. Similarly also, can I see myself with the eyes? Can I hear myself with the ears? The answer is no. It is because of the eye, because of self that the eyes see, the ears hear, the sense organs function. And therefore, the eye of the self cannot be the object of the perception. It is because of whom the perception takes place. That's why Lord Krishna said, avyakta murtina. By my murti, by my form, that is unmanifest, ever unmanifest, because it is the very nature of the seer. Isn't that amazing? The love that I am searching for in my life is my own nature. The harmony which I am searching for in my life is my nature. The unity that I love is nothing but myself. Unfortunately, I have concluded that what I am seeking is outside of myself. In fact, it is my own self. Asti, Bhati, Priyam. That Sat, Chit, Ananda. Existence, Intelligence, Harmony. <coughs> oh Lord, you pervade everything? You are in everything? Now, what I find about the name and form, but everything in the world is perishable, everything in the world is changing, everything in the world is constantly on the move, 
does it mean that the Lord also is perishable? Because as we say, for example, when we say that the clay pervades the pot, then when something happens to the pot, then something will happen to clay also. When we say that the cotton pervades the cloth, if you burn the cloth, the cotton also will get burnt. Similarly also, if God or Lord is the material cause of the universe, it is a very material the substance of which the universe is made, would it then mean that various changes taking place in the universe, so universe is constantly changing, names and forms are changing, perishable, does it mean that the God that makes up the universe also is perishable, is also changing? If he is perishable, you can't call him God. If he is changing, that cannot be called God. So here comes the second line of this fourth verse. Matthani Sarabhutani Nachaham These verses are very profound. That's why we are spending time with them. Very profound verses. And if you understand these two verses or one and a half verses, that's all. One and the first line of the fifth verse. If you understand them, you understand the very Rahasya. Lord Krishna says, Raja Vidya, Raja Guhyam. This is the king among all the secrets. This secret knowledge that is imparting. is not to be imparted to anybody. Bhakto Sime Sakhachedi. Arjuna, I am telling you because you are my friend and you are my devotee. Anasuya way, because you are free from calumnity, you are free from calumny, you are free from jealousy, you are free from angularity, you are free from scheming and planning because you are a straightforward person. That's what I am telling you. That even when the names and forms perish, that such an ananda, which is the essence of name and form, that doesn't perish, nothing happens to that. It's an interesting thing that even though the Lord declares himself to the material cause of every name and form, nothing happens to that material cause even when things happen to name and form. Usually that is not the case. As we say, when the cotton is the material cause of the cause of the cloth, when the cloth burns, the cotton also will burn. If similarly also God were material cause like the cotton, then if something happens to names and forms, then it will happen to God also. He says, no, I am material cause all that, but a different kind of material cause. Here we will give you another ex stock example of Vedanta. We shift the example somewhat from the clay and pot or from golden ornament and we go to another example which I am sure you must have heard. The example of rope and snake. There is no Vedanta talk can be there without rope snake. They must have, they have to come to rope snake. You know what is rope snake? What is lying in front of me is a piece of rope. Like this wire or rope. Because of inadequate light, there is a misconception or a delusion in my mind that it is a snake. Let us say that I am walking in the garden and that gardener has just thrown a piece of rope somewhere. Because there is not adequate light in the garden in the evening, 
I'm walking and I see all of a sudden an object looks like snake and all of a sudden I'm afraid there is a snake there. So what is a snake? We say that this snake is not a real snake. This snake is a projected snake. What I require is a torchlight to show there, to see that oh what I thought to be snake is in fact nothing but rope. So we say that the snake is projected upon the rope. The snake is superimposed upon the rope. Isn't that so? Snake is a delusion. The rope is a reality, snake is the delusion. Another way of putting it is the rope is the substratum, the snake is the projection. Just as in case of the actor and the beggar, the actor is the reality, the beggar is superimposed, projected. The important thing about this relationship between the substratum and the projection is that whatever happens to the beggar, nothing happens to the actor. The beggar may be weeping, the beggar is miserable, the beggar is doing all kinds of suffering. In spite of the apparent suffering or the weeping or whatever happens to the beggar, really nothing happens to the actor. Even though there may be tears, you know, in the eyes of the beggar, the actor may be congratulating himself within him, say, hey, how nicely, how, how, how effectively I am weeping. In fact, he might be happy inside, even though outwardly he appears to be miserable. Outwardly he stretches his hand for a penny. Inwardly he knows that even for begging a penny, in fact, he is going to be richer by one million dollars, just for begging. These days prices are much more, million dollars is nothing for the actors. So here we can say that the beggar, the actor can say, I pervade the beggar. Let us give another example, extend that example. Let us say that that actor assumes various forms, various costumes. Now he comes as a beggar, then he comes as a king. Then he comes as a minister. Let us say the same actor assumes various roles, puts on various costumes. Costume of a beggar, costume of a king, costume of a minister. The beggar can say, Maya tatamidam sarvam jagadavyakta murtina. By me, all these are pervaded. The beggar and the actor, and beggar and the king and the minister, all of these are pervaded by me. Is that so? So, with the beggar is made, I am the very substance of it, the king is made, I am the very substance of it, the minister is made, and if he, if a successful actor may take hundred different roles, all these are made of me. I am the very substance of them, I pervade all of them. What is the relationship between the actor and the beggar? Because if the actor says that I am the beggar, then we would think that he has become the beggar. He has not become the beggar. He only appears as a beggar. When Lord Krishna says, I, I pervade the entire universe, does it mean that the Lord has become the universe? No. I appear as the universe. 
the actor has not become the beggar. He appears as a beggar. He has not become the king. He appears as a king. He has not become the minister. He appears as a minister. He can declare that this whole world of various roles such as the beggar, the king, the minister, all of these are pervaded by me. But what is the relationship that I have with them? Matsthani, Sarabhutani, all of them are in me. The beggar is in me. The king is in me. That minister is in me. Nachaham, Teshu, Avasthitaha. But I am not in them. Understand this. They are in me. I am not in them. They are dependent upon me. I am not dependent upon them. They are superimposed upon me. I am not superimposed upon them. Isn't that right? That is the reason why regardless of what happens to the beggar, what happens to the king, what happens to the minister, nothing happens to the actor at all. Because this beggar, this minister, the king or whatever they are, all of these are really appearances. The actor appears in different forms. An appearance cannot affect or influence the, the reality. So also Lord Krishna says, I appear as the whole universe. But appearance does not create any change or modification. Things in no way affect me, the reality. Because they are my appearance. They are all superimposed upon me. They are there because of me, but not that I am because of them. The beggar is because actor is. But can we say that the actor is because the beggar is? Actor is because actor is. He is independent. The beggar is dependent upon the actor, the actor is not dependent upon the beggar. We can say that the beggar enjoys a relative reality, a dependent reality, whereas the actor enjoys the independent reality. In the Vedantic language, we can say that the beggar is mithya, the actor is satyam, the beggar is unreal, appearance, actor is real, the truth, satyam and mithya. Something like this is the, but I have not become the beggar. The beggar is something that is projected upon me, superimposed upon me, like the snake projected or superimposed upon the rope. The rope pervades the snake. The snake is because of the rope, because of the rope, but the rope has not become the snake. Regardless of what happens to the snake, nothing happens to the rope. Similarly also, regardless of what happens to the appearance, apparent name and form, no, no change happens whatever in the substratum. That's what we meant. That even when I see disharmony, even when I see disparity, even when I see injustice, even when I see cruelty, that is not the reality of the universe. That's not the reality of life. Just as even when I see the beggar, that's not the reality of that person. Because beggar is only at the level of upadhi, only at the level of costume. And so also, all this injustice and disparity, etc., are at the level of name and form. But in the substance, in the essence, it still remains the same existence, intelligence, wholeness, fullness. Fragrant, even though outwardly it is stinking, but inwardly it remains fragrant. Similarly also, there is that beauty and the harmony and the love that pervades the entire universe. That is the truth of the life. 
and that is what each one of us is seeking and that's the only reality that is in life <coughs> if you have shraddha this makes sense it also calls for shraddha meaning calls for a certain faith it makes sense now if this is the reality as declared by Bhagavad Gita then what should become the basis of my life then my priorities and values also will be determined by this should harmony and love be my priority or should cruelty or disharmony be the priority even when I, I see disharmony there should I take that to be real and adopt disharmony in my own life, injustice in my own life, cruelty in my own life? The answer is no. That my value only remains harmony. It remains oneness. That I adopt a value which brings about harmony. I adopt a value which brings about love. I adopt a value which brings about oneness. That is how I, that is what becomes a value and that is how what we call, I approach the reality in my life, ultimately I come to know, I come to know this, the truth. So that is called bhakti, we'll talk about that. Alright, so Lord Krishna is now giving us, he's unfolding what he is. First it is said, I pervade the entire universe, see me everywhere. Secondly said, that the universe of names and forms is, is projected upon me I am the very substratum of that I am the reality all the rest is mithya or unreal thirdly Lord Krishna says in the fifth verse Nachamatsthani bhutani Pashyame yoga maishwaram Bhuta Bhrunna Cha Bhuta Sthaha Mamatma Bhuta Bhavanaha What did second line say? The fourth Matsani Sarabhutani All the beings are in me But the first line, the fifth verse says Nacha Matsani Bhutani The beings are not in me See? All the beings are in me, he says, and I, that is the ultimate uh, nature of the Lord. He is to be known in the stages like this. First, he is to be known as the one that makes up the whole universe. A Vasudeva Sarvam, everywhere that Vasudeva, everywhere that Lord is, and that becomes the way of my life. And therefore, if I adopt that as a way of my life, then my life becomes life of Karma Yoga. Because in Karma Yoga, we will discuss in the morning also, that what is Karma Yoga? Is nothing but worshipping the Lord with my action. That whatever action I perform, it is performed in the spirit of worship. Worshipping whom? Worshipping God. Where is God? Everywhere. Jagadishadi Yukta Sevanam Ashtamurti Bhrut Deva Poojanam that the whole jagat, the whole universe is God with that dhi, with that bhavana, with that attitude I worship, I serve thus whoever I, I, whoever I serve is God because God alone is manifest in every name and form and therefore that God alone is before me 
and whatever action I perform, I perform as an offended Lord who is in front of me in that, in that form. That's the first way of relating to God. Then second I realize that the form and name and form are merely appearances, costumes. In reality, what there is, is nothing but existence, awareness, love, harmony, beauty. And finally, what is my realization? Nacha masthani bhutani. Hey Arjuna, these names and forms are not really there at all. Look at me closely. Even that wave tells me that, first of all, it's the water says that I pervade the wave. Then secondly, the water says, the wave is only superimposed upon me. I am the reality of the wave. And thirdly, the water says, the wave is not there at all. All there is, is I alone. All we have to do is to just change the focus. As long as my focus is on the name and form, that is what we call the wave, so long I say that, the water pervades the wave. The wave is superimposed upon water. But when I change the focus from the name and form of the wave to the content of the wave which is water, then in my awareness there is nothing but water. Is not so. You are looking at an ornament. As long as you look at the form and the name, then the idea of a bangle is there in my mind. But when I focus my attention merely to the content of the ornament which is gold, the idea of bangle goes away from my mind and my mind becomes aware of what? Just the goldness. Similarly also Lord Krishna says that this universe is nothing but superimposition upon the existence, awareness, intelligence which is my own self and thus ultimate recognition of God is what we call beyond all the names and forms the human they all use the pronoun I whether old or young they use the pronoun I whether good or bad they use the pronoun I is it not so? In I there is no qualification Suppose mosquito also could say I, then also that same I. Suppose a cat pervade the cat and the dog and the mosquito. Suppose this table could say I, then the same I would be there. Understand that in I, capital I, there is no name, there is no form, there is no qualification, there is no attribute at all. And thus ultimate knowledge or recognition of God as my own self, Nachamasthani Bhutani that I am devoid of every name and form, all qualities and attributes. That's the ultimate reality about the, the God, ultimate reality about the self. Thus these verses in fact reveal the identity between what we call God and self or Tat and Tvam. Pashyame Yogam Aishwaram Here you know, look at my Aishwaram Yogam, look at my great, my glory, look at my Maya, look at my what is Maya? Maya means magic. Look at my magic. But even though I am one, I appear as many. Even though I am without any name and qualities, I appear as all the qualities. Look at my Maya. Look at my glory. Look at my Aishwaryam. Look at my... Look at this, the, 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 uh, the glory of my Maya. Pashyame Yoga Maishwaram. Bhuta Bhrut Nacha Bhutastha Mamatma Bhuta Bhavanaha the second line of the fifth verse is Bhuta Brut. Who am I? Bhutani Bibharti. I am the one that sustains all the beings. Bhuta Bhavanaha. I am the one who creates all the beings. Naja Bhutastha. But I am not confined to the beings. That is, I sustain the whole universe. 
I have created the whole universe, I sustain the whole universe without being affected by the universe. Look at my Aishwaram Yogam, look at my great glory, look at my great magic. <clears throat> now, this idea is further expanded by Lord Krishna himself in the subsequent verses. And so, says Lord Krishna in the Oh, then and an example is given in the sixth verse to explain this. Lord Krishna gives an example in the sixth verse. Nityam <laughs> Machthani Tupadharaya Here we are told that the law is changeless, supports the changing creation. Lord is imperishable, supports the perishable creation. Lord who is one, supports the, the, supports the creation having multiplicity. Lord who is uh, who is of the nature of harmony, of the nature of love, seems to sustain all the disharmony and the cruelty also. How is it possible? Without bringing any change in himself, that shows that disharmony, etc., is just a costume. So, to explain that, of course, we gave various examples of the actor and the costume and the rope and the snake, and but Lord Krishna gives his own example. Yatha akashasthitaha Vayu, Nityam Akashasthito Vayu. Just as Vayu, Vayu means air. Sarvatragaha, Sarvatragachadi. You know air, air or the wind goes everywhere in the space. So we can say that the space sustains air, the space supports air. Is it not so? The space accommodates everything, the space supports everything. The whole universe is supported by the space. Here we are given the example of vayu or the wind or the air and as we know the air moves everywhere, air is all the time in motion that's called vayu, vati the vayu, one that is always in motion is called vayu or the air, so air is always in motion, moving all the time from one place to the other and also the wind is very powerful, so wind that is very powerful, wind that is always in motion, wind that is constantly changing. This wind of the air is supported by space. The space that does not move, the space that does not change, the space that is unaffected by whatever happens in the air. See in the process of creation, you might have heard this in Taitriya Upanishad. First what is created is Akasha space. Atmanaha Akasha Sambhutaha. From the self, the Akasha space is born. Akashat Vayahu. From the space, the air. Vayahu Agnihi. From the air, the fire. This is how the sequence of creation is. So space is the cause and the air is the effect. So air is supported by space. The cause supporting the effect naturally. But the air is constantly moving. 
that constantly moving air is supported by space which is motionless the constantly changing air is supported by the space which is changeless and constantly and again a powerful air or the wind again supported by the space which is totally unaffected or unconnected in the air there can be stink there is no stink in the space in air there can be fragrance there is no fragrance in space in short space which supposed sustains air is totally unaffected or unconnected there similarly also lord krishna says that i support or sustain the entire universe but i am unconnected unaffected by all the changes happening just as actor is unconnected or unaffected by whatever there is in the costume and so so lord says i i sustain the whole universe and still remain unaffected or unconnected to everything so what is important here the point that is is how the changeless supports all the changes the motionless sustains all the motion this is important that what we perceive is change what we perceive is modification what we perceived is manyness but that changes are supported by the changeless the modification supported by the modificationless the many supported by one and that is what this example is meant to convey and therefore even though i i i all the time perceive the change i must remember that wherever the change is there must be a substratum that is changeless wherever manyness is there must be a substratum that is one you know in vedanta they also commonly give another example the example of dream is also is used for example each one of us knows the phenomenon called dream the first day we were saying as to how vedanta takes into account all the various experiences in our life our life is not confined merely to the waking state but there is also the dream experience and the deep sleep experience so the experience of dream also is very useful for us to understand the reality of life so examine the phenomenon of dream let us say the dreaming that i i the swami is dreaming when the swami dreams and he dreams of lectures and things like that everybody has their own kinds of dreams but when i have dream then in the dream also i give lectures so let us say last night i was dreaming i went to sleep and then in dream i found a hall full of all the people and i am talking to them about ishavasya upanishad bhagavad gita now the question is how many were there when i went to sleep how many were there i alone was there and when i woke up from the dream how many are there i alone am in between this phenomenon called dream happens when there may be 200 300 people where did they all come from last night when i was giving you lectures where did you come from did we have to send you invitation letters did we have to make phone calls nothing at all where did all the listeners come from in the dream where did all these people come from what was before the dream was i one what was after the dream was i that is one what was in between 
let us say about 300 people. Where did they all come from? Is it not that they all came from me? They were all sustained by me? They all went back to me? Is it not so? When I woke up, what happened to all the listeners in the lecture? Did they remain where they were? It, suppose it happens that I wake up and everybody else remains there. It doesn't happen there. When I wake up, all of them also wake up, is it not? All of them get ultimately merged into me. That means the whole dream world was projected from me, the whole dream world was sustained by me, the whole dream world was it merged into me. Is it not so? In that case, who is the material cause of the dream? I am the material cause of the dream. Can I say that I pervade the entire dream? Yes, because I make up whatever there is in the dream. Understand that in the dream, not only there are conscious beings, but there are chairs also there. They are all jada, you know. The walls also were there, the ceiling also was there, everything was there. Where did it all come from? From I alone. I who is a conscious being, was a material for sentient and insentient. Whatever there was in the dream, is it not so? And so, now, when all there are so many in the dream, do I become really many? There is creation, sustenance, resolution. Does it really, does anything happen to me in terms of creation, sustenance, resolution? And some kind of an uproar can take place in the dream. Does it all affect me at all? Not at all. Why? Because the dream is projection. Dream is what we call mithya. It is unreal. Whereas I am the reality. So this is the relationship between the satya and mithya. The real and the unreal. Brahma satyam, jagan mithya. The creation is mithya, an appearance. Brahma, the substratum, is satyam. So there is a, there is a, there was a great poet in Gujarati, in Gujarat, some 500 years ago. And he says this in one of his poems, that when I wake up, I don't find the universe at all. In my sleep, all kinds of appearances were there, but when I wake up, I don't find anything. In my sleep, there is a dream, all kinds of things were there. When I wake up, I don't find anything. Here then in the dream, there was a person who was talking, there was a speaker and there were listeners. Who was the speaker and who were the listeners? The speaker also was I, the listeners also were I. Is it not so? Isn't that funny? When I wake up, then it is all funny. When I am dreaming, I think it's all real, that I am speaker and they are all listeners. They are all different from me. When I wake up, then I realize that the whole dream world is folded into me and therefore the speaker also was I, the listeners also was I. I was speaking to myself. Is it not so? Something similar exists even in what we call waking state. Just as when I am in the dream, I feel that I, the speaker, is different from the listeners. But I recognize or realize the oneness of them when I wake up. Similarly also at this time I feel that you are all different from me. It is only that when I wake up to the true nature of myself that I realize that it is I alone who appears as all the subject and the object. It is Brahma God which is transacting with God. The self transacting with the self. 
there is nothing but self, there is nothing but God, one appearing as many. So that way the dream also is a very beautiful example of how the whole creation can take place without bringing about any substantial change in the creator. In the dream I am both the material cause as well as the efficient cause. I am the intelligent cause as well as the material cause. I am the creator as well as the creation. That's what Lord Krishna says. I am the creator as well as the creation. I am never apart from the creation is never apart from me. Sabhumim Vishvato Bhutva Atyatishthat Dashangulam He pervades the entire universe and still remains independent of it. That's the nature of the cause and effect. The water pervades all the waves but is not limited by the waves. Water is waves all right but something above and beyond the waves also. And so also the Lord is whole universe all right at the same time something above and beyond also. Now from the seventh verse Lord Krishna is trying to again explain this phenomenon. Seventh, eighth, ninth, three verses. Let us read the seventh verse. Sarva bhutani kaunteya prakritim yanti mamikam kalpakshaye punastani kalpado visrajamyaham Just as I can describe my dream, Lord Krishna is describing his dream. You can imagine, this whole waking state is nothing but a universal dream. Just as in my individual dream, I am the subject as well as object, the sentient and insentient whatever there is in the dream is nothing but myself. So imagine, what we call the waking state of the universe also is a universal dream, where one Lord, one God alone is a subject, object, sentient, insentient, assuming all the roles. So this Sarva Bhutani Kaunteya Prakriti Myanti Mamikam Kalpakshay. Hey Kaunteya, hey Arjuna, Sarva Bhutani, all the beings, Mamikam Prakriti Myanti Kalpakshay. Lord Krishna describes now this whole cycle of creation. So we look upon this creation as a cyclic process. You see, many phenomena or all the phenomena in the universe are cyclic. For example, the clouds come down as rain, flow down to the ocean, the water again becomes cloud, again rains, again becomes cloud, again rains, cyclic process. The seed becomes a tree, the fruit, the seed, another tree, the fruit, seed, tree, that's how the cyclic process. In our day to day life also, the waking, dream, deep sleep, waking, dream, deep sleep, cyclic process, repeating. This is the kind of the pattern that we find in the universe, everything seems to repeat itself in a cyclic form. So also the universe is looked upon as a cyclic phenomenon. 
creation sustenance dissolution creation sustenance dissolution that's why some people ask this question swamini when did this universe come into being in fact this process of creation sustenance dissolution is going on from the time beginningless those scientists tell us that the universe the big bang the universe came into being when there was a big bang or whatever the theories may keep changing but at the moment the big bang theory is an accepted theory most widely accepted i believe so 15 or 20 billion years ago a big bang happened and the whole universe emerged and is evolving in this way so again there are theories of expanding universe the universe is expanding and expanding and expanding but the time will come when it will run out of steam and then it will start contracting again it will go back into its original cause again it may come out again it may go back creation sustenance dissolution creation sustenance dissolution cyclic process this word lord krishna says kalpakshe when a given cycle of creation comes to an end what happens to all the names and forms sarvabhutani kaunteya prakrutim yantimamikam he kaunteya he arjuna all the beings they mamikam prakrutim yanti all the beings come back to my prakriti just as in the experience of dream also that when i wake up what happens to all the beings who were in the dream all of them come to me kalpado visrajamyam next day when i dream again i project them when the dream is over again i fold them back they are all projected from me they are folded back into me so so lord krishna says at the beginning of cycle of creation the whole universe is projected from me it is sustained for a while and then when the whole cycle of creation comes to an end all of them are folded up in me eighth verse continues that prakrutim swamavashtabhya visrujami punah punah Maya is described as aghatita ghatana patiyasi that which makes impossible possible Maya means magic we are all familiar with magicians i'm sure each one of us must have seen some magic show sometime and we see how a magician creates things from nowhere all of a sudden from the air he, he there is an apple in his hand he takes an ordinary piece of paper there is a 100 dollar bill or 100 dinar bill or something like that you know from nothing he seems to create something thus from nowhere he seems to create a whole bunch of bills dinars 
He can give it to each one of you also. I'm afraid that you cannot buy anything with that dinar. If you could, then he need not do these magic shows, you know. You could create them and keep them, but that doesn't happen. It's just an appearance. But how in the magic? There is an appearance of something which is not there. There is apparently a creation of something that is not there, an impossible thing made possible, is it not? So also someone can ask a question. When you say that the Lord is imperishable, is changeless, is ever pure, is ever harmony, is ever love, is only one without a second, how can this manyness come from that? How can the disharmony come from the harmony? The harmony without changing appears as disharmony. The one without changing appears as many. The changeless without change appears as changing. In short, Lord Krishna is declaring that this creation is something similar to Maya, something similar to magic. It is nothing much more than appearance. That is why the creation is called unreal or mithya. <coughs> As though there is a creative, creative power in him. And the changeless appears to be changing. The one appears to be many. So Lord Krishna says, wielding my creative power which is called Maya, which is under my control, I appear as many, which is called the creation. And then when the time comes, I fold back that manyness, which is called dissolution. Prakrutim Swamavastabhya. Like a magician folding, you know, like magician throwing his magical net and then withdrawing. Like I creating a dream and then again withdrawing. So, so Lord Krishna says, I project for the whole world with my maya or the creative power and then again I fold it back. Again I project it, again I fold it back. Prakrutim Swamastabhya Visrajami Punah Punah. Again and again I create and again and again I dissolve. Meaning that this process of creation and dissolution is a process going from time beginningless. But Swami, when did this all begin? This question bothers you. When did this begin? There is no beginning at all. It is just going on. Because the very beginning also is a concept in time. But we are talking about a state when even the time is not there. Look at the, the experience of deep sleep. Even then also there is no awareness of time and space. That is an unmanifest state. From the unmanifest, manifestation. From the manifest to unmanifest. This kind of process that goes on every day in our life. The waking state is manifest. The deep sleep is unmanifest. Waking manifest, deep sleep unmanifest. From manifest to unmanifest, unmanifest to manifest. This is the process of creation. Punah punah. This entire host of the beings, all of these are created. Avasham, prakrte, vashat. Then, but the thing is, this one Maya is, is you know, the relation. He wields this magic power like a magician. He knows what he is doing, he wields this magical power. But the spectators, the spectators are all under the spell of magic. Similarly also, Lord says that I project for the whole world, but all those are created, all of them under the spell of Maya, under the control of Maya. They don't have any freedom. I have the freedom. The magician has the freedom to create what he wants to create. The spectators have no freedom at all. They are under the spell of the magic. 
Similarly also it is maya of ignorance because with the whole universe is created, all the created beings are avasham, helpless. Each one of us is helpless. We don't have a choice of the freedom. I am not, I don't have a control over myself. I am controlled by my own prakriti. I am controlled by my own nature. In short, everyone who is ignorant is necessarily under control of ignorance, is controlled by ignorance. You know what ignorance does? Ignorance of my own self. It's called avidya. Ignorance is called avidya. That I do not know myself. Take the case of the rope snake again. That I do not know the, the rope. And there is projected a, a snake. This very serious discussion is going on right now. I think it will go on until today. And then again from tomorrow we will be able to come to, well, maybe part of tomorrow. Then slowly we will come down to a little less uh, serious discussion. I am afraid that right now what we are talking about requires a, an attention. And that may be a bit, uh, you know, to be attentive for a length of time like over and a half is very exhausting. You know, it is very, uh, it is not easy. But here I do not know what else to do and therefore I have to subject you to all these rather serious discussion. But at the same time I think it is a very rewarding thing also because it is revealing some real mystery about our life. And that is why I do not want to dist create distraction by some jokes and stuff like that. So that the, the mind is sort of, you know, focused upon exactly what we are discussing. Again going back to that rope snake example, the reality is rope, but because of ignorance of the rope, I see a snake there. So from the ignorance comes the projection of snake. <coughs> Similarly something like that is happening about my own self, that I do not know myself. See if I just did not know there is no problem. But I know it wrongly. I do not know the rope, there is no problem. But I know the rope wrongly. I know it as snake and that is how fear is created. If there was pitch darkness, I did not see the rope at all, then there was no projection of snake, I would have walked away. If there was broad daylight, I knew the rope as a rope, then also there would have been no snake projection. Understand? When the projection happens, if the rope is known as rope in the broad daylight, there is no projection of snake. Even then there is pitch darkness at night, I don't see the rope at all, then also there is no projection of snake. That projection comes when there is a semi-darkness or semi-twilight condition, where I see the rope alright, but not see it as rope, and that is how the projection of snake takes place. You know, Vedantins love this example because it is very applicable to our life. I know the rope and I do not know it also. Similarly, I know myself and I do not know myself also. If I just did not know myself totally, there would be no problem. Just as in deep sleep, I do not know anything else, I do not know myself, there is no problem there at all. If I knew myself as I am, just as a wise man knows himself as Satchidananda, as, as full and complete being, he also has no problem. These two fellows are no problem. The one who is enlightened, no problem. One who is sleeping has no problem. In between everybody has a problem. 
because I know myself wrongly. This is called Viparita Jnanam. That is a Mithya Jnanam. That is a projection. I know myself as an incomplete being. I know myself as inadequate being. What I am is really a complete being, the whole being I am. As we just said, who am I? Asti Bhati Priyam. That is my true nature. This body is personality, the costume. So the first day we say that who am I? A union of person and personality. Like what is this bulb? A union of filament and electricity. But filament is merely a vehicle for the electricity to manifest. So also this personality consisting of the body, sense organs, mind complex is just a vehicle for that person or the consciousness to manifest. Who am I? I am that consciousness. Asti Bhati Priyam. That's what I am. And all the limitations are there but in the personality. They are not my limitations. Just as the beggar is there only at the level of costume that does not limit the beggar. Never will the actor. Thus I am limitless. But because this personality is limited and I take the personality to myself, therefore I look upon myself as a limited being. Just as I look upon the rope as a snake, I, a snake is projected, so also a sense of limitation is projected upon myself. And that is why I suffer. It is the perception of snake that creates fear in me and so also it is a sense of limitation that creates all the misery in me. So that ignorance creates a sense of limitation. It creates a sense of smallness. It creates a sense of individuality. It creates division. In fact, you and I are not different. But because of ignorance, I take this body to be myself, this personality to be myself, and I think that I am different from you, you are different from me. And there is a division. There is a sense of confinement. There is a sense of isolation. There is a sense of limitation. And thus I suffer. Avidya, ignorance, creates sense of individuality. That's called asmita. And that creates all likes and dislikes. The ego creates all likes and dislikes. When the body is myself then, anything that is agreeable to body is something that I like. Anything that is disagreeable to body, I dislike. When personality is taken to myself then, whatever is helpful to personality becomes an object of my like. Whatever is unhelpful to personality becomes an object of dislike. So, Raga and Dvesha, the likes and dislikes are the automatic product of ego. From ignorance, avidya, arises asmita, ego, sense of individuality, sense of insecurity. And therefore, whatever promises security becomes an object of like, Raga. Whatever threatens the security becomes the object of dislike, Dvesha. So, likes and dislikes are created from ego and fear and attachment are created. This is called samsara. This is a life of suffering. <clears throat> the spell of the ignorance and the spell of the ego and likes and dislikes. Ahankara, mamakara. I and mine. And from that, the likes and dislikes. What this verses also tell us is that there is a continuity of existence. As you know very well, the Vedas or the Hinduism accepts what we call the previous birth, accepts the new birth. We accept what we call a continuity of life. 
there is also a very important thing. There is continuity of life. Of course, this question arises in science also, how do you say, where is the proof? Is there a proof that I had a past birth? If I had past birth, then how come I don't remember anything? That's the question. Thank God that you don't remember anything. <laughs> Suppose you remember what else you, whatever you were in the past. I don't, I think you'll go crazy. Suppose I had countless births in the past. If I remember everything that went on in the past, I would go crazy, will it not be? In fact, thank God that many things happened to me that happened to me in the childhood, I forgot. Otherwise, even that would make me crazy. So understand that not remembering is a great grace of the Lord. But I would like to dwell upon this continuity of life for a few minutes. Even from a scientific standpoint, the scientists tell us that there is conservation of mass and conservation of energy, right? That the mass may get transformed with energy and back and forth, but that the, in totality it remains the same. There is no creation and no destruction as far as the matter is concerned. Is it not so? What happens is transformation from one form to the other. Even when we say that a given thing is created, what it is it? Before creation, it was in one form and after creation, it has changed the form. When we say the pot is created, before creation, it was a lump of clay and now it has assumed a certain form. But nothing new is created really. What it is is, the matter keeps on changing the form. So understand that in matter, there is no creation, there is no destruction. Is it right? What there is, is just transformation of form. So scientists are willing to accept that in matter there is no birth and there is no death. There is only transformation. All we have to add is, in, in life also there is no birth and death. If there is no birth and death in matter, then it makes sense also that there is no, there, if there is conservation of matter, why can't there be conservation of life? If there is no birth and death in matter, why can't there be no birth and death in life? If matter undergoes transformation of one form to the other, why not life also undergoes transformation from one form to the other? So what we call previous birth is nothing but the same life in given form. What we call this birth is same life transforming in this form. What we call next birth is same life transforming in another form. And therefore, conservation of matter, conservation of energy, we just add one thing, conservation of life. <coughs> Of course, the scientists have a hard time accepting it because they think that life or consciousness is a property of matter. That's what they think. On the other hand, we say that the so-called matter is the property of consciousness. Just a slight difference. They think that consciousness is created from matter. We say that the matter is created from consciousness. You can't disprove that. And that is how we accept continuity of life. Therefore, when I am born in this embodiment, this is not my first birth. Another reason also we can give you is that any event, now we know also, and the scientists also explain us, that the whole universe is linked by the chain of cause and effect. 
that whenever any event happens there must be a cause without cause something cannot happen there is no such thing as accident in this creation Swami that's not right accidents happen every day the other I met with an accident in my car oh, that collision is it an accident the collision of cars is not an accident it is merely observance of the rule the two objects cannot be in one place at one time and you try to break that rule that's all that's why we call it accident Swami that's what fell down from his balcony that is an accident it's not an accident there is just a law of gravity is it anything that the force will come down so it remains accident as long as we do not understand the cause once you understand the cause it becomes not an it no more remains accident it becomes incident so we know that whenever any incident happens there must be a cause whenever any event happens there must be a cause without cause nothing can happen otherwise there would be no science there will be no predictability at all scientists predict the cause from the effect I know that there is electricity because of the effect in the form of light and thus cause and effect change so also we say that birth also is an event is it not it is an event therefore it also must have a cause without it cannot be an accident when there is no accident anywhere why should birth be an accident and the cause always precedes the effect the cause is first effect is later if birth is an event then it must also have a cause which must precede that birth that means that the cause of the birth must necessarily before that it must be in the past birth so that way we cannot prove that there was previous birth we cannot prove that there is next birth at the same time nobody can disprove also nobody can disprove the previous birth nobody can disprove then the rebirth also on the other hand it makes only sense that when there is continuity in matter there can be continuity in life and every phenomenon always has a cause birth also being a phenomenon or event also must have a cause a cause must precede the effect and therefore the cause for this birth must be necessarily in the past which is what we call the previous birth we call it karma we call it the karma of the actions every action produces a result this birth is the result of the actions produced in the past birth and what I am doing right now I am creating the blueprint for my future birth by performing various actions <clears throat> so each one of us is born as determined by the actions performed by us we don't have the freedom we don't have freedom to so many children ask Swamiji you know in United States our children are there and the other skin is brown skin and there the skin is white skin so when children go to school very often those other children you know that the, the American children they make fun of them what is this you know and this poor children feel so bad so Swamiji why can how come I'm born with a brown skin how come I'm not born with a white skin how come I'm born in India how come I'm not born in United States or how come I'm not born in Kuwait whatever no no freedom at all it is determined by your past actions avasham prakurdeir vasat and therefore the birth is a phenomenon that takes place I have no control the only way I can control is by controlling my actions then I can control but otherwise there is no control but this also tells us a very beautiful thing this continuity of life tells us a beautiful thing that 
I am responsible what I do. Whatever I do during this lifetime, I am responsible and accountable and that I will have to account for it in the next birth. And so, so, whatever I am going through right now, whatever I am going through right now is the product of the past birth. That means, at the moment, I am just settling the account for whatever I must have done in the past. And if we don't accept the past birth, if we don't accept the rebirth, then what happens is, whatever I do, all various things that I do in this birth, they all come to a knot when, my, when I die. That means that all the various effects that I created, they, they die away without producing an effect. At the same time, you can't explain at the diversity that we have, how come you are, you are what you are and how come I am what I am? Because you are the product of your own, uni your own unique actions, I am the product of my unique actions. And that is what explains how everybody is unique and that's what explains the diversity. Otherwise, if I am an accident, I am born without any reason at all, then I have to question God. How come you made me like this and made somebody else something else? How come you made me poor, made somebody else rich? How come you made me ugly, made someone else handsome? Then God will be again, you know, He will be charged or accused of being partial. He will be accused of being favoring. But there cannot be partiality, there cannot be favoring in God, there cannot be attachment and aversion there. And therefore it is explained that what we are is a product of what we did in the past. It doesn't matter what the past was. What is important is that the future is also in our own hands. If the present is the product of the past, then future is the product of the present. Therefore that means that I can create my own destiny. And that is what is important. In this law of karma, the law of action, the law for cause and effect, the past is not important, the present is important. If the present is the product of the past, the future is the product of the present. And therefore, let me gear myself up and make sure that what I do is all proper, so that a bright or proper future can be assured for me. And that's the purpose of the law of karma. The Lord Krishna says, all the beings are born because of their actions, and they are what they are because of the actions they did and that is how I keep on creating this universe again and again wielding my creative power which is called Maya. So this is how Lord explains, Lord Krishna explains how the universe is a projection and how he is the very substratum upon this of this projection. How he is the actor and all this is the costume. How he wears the costume of the universe and appears as the whole universe. And therefore, imagine a uh, multi-role actor, actor taking infinite roles. Just as in a dream I take all the roles, here also we can say, one God alone has taken all the roles and then is manifesting himself as the whole universe. We'll continue the discussion tomorrow. <coughs> Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti Shanti Shanti